Welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish. And man, this episode is so fun. I love this guest and how he has unpacked the the Gen X experience, zeitgeist, paradigm, however you want to look at it. I really hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, a lot of insights that even I hadn't really thought about. And um, we kind of weave together this tapestry of understanding of our uh, Generation X-ness. So um, we've got Ryan Fisher, um, who is a musician out of uh, Canada. And we're going to talk a little bit about his music. But like I said, mostly about the Gen X experience and how um, and how that kind of creates this uh, group of people uh, that you know is Gen X. Anyway, um, also, I wanted to tell you guys that there is going to be an update on the uh, the solo episode I did a couple weeks back um, in which I had um, talked about, you know, going into uh, December with gratitude instead of fear. And, and I, I told you guys that I had connected with someone that I had uh, traveled uh, to a few uh, different countries with. 23 years ago and kind of popped back into my life and uh stay tuned because there is going to be an update and um and i'm super excited to share that with you guys so stay tuned for that and then of course if you have anything that you want to share in terms of things that you've heard on the podcast that resonate with you or maybe you have some critiques about the podcast and you want to um, share some ideas or thoughts or even topics or you know subject matter that you'd really like to have us delve into here on the podcast make sure you reach out to me at genxvoice.com and make sure you follow me on Instagram at genxvoice uh, where as I've said before, that's where I really spend time um, just shining the light on our guests. And uh, you're definitely going to want to check out uh, Ryan Fisher's music. Uh, I have all of the links in the show notes. But for now, folks, enjoy the show. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the Gen X Voice podcast. Hey, Trish. It's uh, really great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's hey. my very first podcast. Oh, my gosh. Well, hopefully I don't ruin it for others. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, cherry. Yeah, right. Yep. Just bursting all over the place. OK, that was a little much. <laughs> I said that. You, you went there. I liked it. I threw the ball up and you <laughs> great. point or hold yeah. back or yeah. Hey, um, before we get too uh, crazy, um, into con conversing. Um, how about you tell the listeners what year you were born and what generation you most identify with? Well, I was born in 1974 and uh, I identify as uh, the eternal light of the universe. Oh, okay. <laughs> how about generation wise? Just sort of <laughs> transcending all generations. Oh, yeah. I like I'm rebelling, that. I'm rebelling against identity politics. Wow. Interesting. So what made you want to come on a podcast that has uh, the identifier of Gen X on it? Um, because actually I do. I know. I'm just kidding. I, I really do. I really do feel like a gen x og motherfucker you know oh shit i just love I really the way do. that you danced around that and then came in with the gen x kill because oh, yeah. our generation is very salty and um and 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 uh and uh humorous at times so i fucking loved that ryan that was really nice yeah 
I feel like awesome. this is the place for me to be for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And uh, for the listeners, um, I've got Ryan Fisher with us today, who um, has this really awesome album that he just dropped called Commercials for Heaven. And um, I'm so excited that you um, that you chose to come on this podcast to talk about this. So I've got to ask you, first and foremost, um, what in what musical inspiration do you have before we really kind of break down what your music is like? My I'd say first off, it was a mixture of, okay. first of all, Rabbi Englander of Solel Congregation in Mississauga. This guy was like Elvis to me when I was a kid. He was this little Jewish guy because we used to my mom used to make me go to synagogue. And the best part of synagogue was Rabbi Englander rocking his acoustic guild finger picking like James Taylor and just singing all these Hebrew folk songs. He was like a god to me. I thought it was amazing seeing wow. him. And and also it was John Cougar Mellencamp, Jack and Diane and Pink Floyd, um, uh, The Wall, because I used to play that single on my sister's hand-me-down Mickey Mouse record player. And I just, because <laughs> it was this teachers leave those kids alone. I just thought that was the greatest thing I ever heard. Oh so, my uh, God. On a Mickey Mouse record player. Mickey Mouse that with is... the little arm that was the, yeah, Mickey yeah. Mouse. Oh gosh, I can see it. Hand. Yeah. That is the coolest I've ever heard. Now you're from Vancouver. Is that right? Or is that just where you live now? I just live there now. I've been out here like five years, over five years. And, but I originally from Toronto, Ontario. Oh, where are okay. you from? Oh uh, gosh. I love when people ask me that. Cause it's like, well, what do you mean by from? Because I'm from a family of Bohemians and gypsies. And um, I mean, my, my grandpa um, all three of his kids were born in different states. And um, I went to six different elementary schools, four of them in fourth grade, which is super rad that it works out that way. And um, and then I carried that sort of bohemian lifestyle throughout my adult life, coming up on my seventh year of living in the same address, working the same job for the first time in my whole life. And I'm about to be 46. So, <laughs> well, actually, by the time this episode drops, I'll have already turned 46. So, um yeah, just sort of everywhere. I mean, um, from about six last couple months of sixth grade to um, high school, it was in Joshua Tree, California. Oh. Um, but really, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, Utah, Illinois, um, Southern California, um, wow. and then just lived in a couple places in France and uh, lived in London a couple times, New York City, Portland, Oregon, and wow. a few places in um, in Arizona, and then headed back to uh, Illinois for a little stunt too. So um, what? And wow. are you, where are you now? I'm in Phoenix now. Phoenix. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. How are things over there? Oh, man. You know, Phoenix is the most beautiful place in the universe this time of year. If you would have asked me that even a month ago, I would have given you a dirty look and been like, how the hell do you think Satan's taint feels like? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That might be our thing or many people's thing. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Oh, my gosh. But to move from Toronto. I, I'm going to write a song called Satan's Taint now. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> 
That sounds like a wonderful title to an, a song. But I mean, moving from Toronto to um, BC, I mean, that's that's a super change in not only sort of um, climate, but also culturally, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what, what, what made you do that change? I just really, I mean, I, I lived most of my life out there, you know, and I just got so sick of the winters, you know? Um, I just needed a change in the landscape, you know? It was just this flat, gray, stinky place. Now, I, you know, I was really down on it then. I'm nostalgic about it now. But I really just, yeah, I mean, I was like, by the time I moved out here, I was 41. So I was ready for just a new, definitely just a new chapter, you know? I felt like I'm approaching my middle age. But I still feel like a teenager, and I just wanted, like, mountains oceans rainforest beaches i wanted to experience all that and i just had an opportunity it just it just came up i had no idea how i'd ever come out here and it just happened you know sold everything i owned packed the rest of it all into an suv uh, mostly it was guitars and an amp and stuff and clothes and a few boxes and just drove out here wow didn't know a soul but yeah it's it's been it's been quite an adventure Wow, that is so awesome. I always love hearing when people get rid of everything except for what could fit in their car, because that's how I moved here from Portland. And I've done that a few times in my life. So I like to sort of pride myself on being a bit of a minimalist because you never know when it's time to pick up and leave again, you know. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you said it, the the Pacific Northwest is just such a vibrant place to come from, especially if you're coming from a city um, where the skies are gray and you've got all those buildings everywhere and and things like that. I mean, how how do you spend um, your free time? Is it mostly just making music or do you spend a lot of time outdoors? Uh, Both, like especially in the summer, I was spending a lot of time outside, like just playing music on my own. I'd go into the forest and just practice. uh, Take I love taking hikes, road trips. Me and my uh, girlfriend took uh, a few road trips this summer, which was great. Just headed up north, avoided the uh, the wildfires, and uh, yeah, like saw the mountains. Sometimes I head out to the island too. Like there's all these little the Gulf Coast islands out here. It's really magical. Really cool. I felt very welcomed when I came out here because one of the first places I went to was Salt Spring Island because I had a friend there, been friends with her. She used to be my girlfriend. Now she's a family, also a Gen Xer. She, she'd been living out here for like over 20 years. And, uh, and the, like the first trip I took out, I saw a bunch of kill, like a bunch of whales. Wow. And I told her and she's like, what the fuck? She was so mad at me because she's lived out here for over 20 years and never saw whales. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it sounds like my dog said hi. Um, <laughs> even Hello. though the doors are closed and everything. But um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would be furious. <laughs> that sounds so funny. But also, like, how rad for you? I mean, that's just like a, the most awesome um, nature gift letting you know that you're in the right place in the right time. Now, did your girlfriend now, did she come from um, Toronto with you or did you meet her in the Pacific Northwest? I met her out here. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. That's rad. It's very rad. We've only been together like four and a half months. So, Oh, proof folks that you can find love in middle age. (laughs) Um, what happened, you know, 
but well, there's no guarantee how long things last i'm just happy that it's happened for this long it's great yeah 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 and i mean um you're you have a lot of songs about sort of not letting people you know you're the person you're dating in not remembering when you you know met and made all the promises that you can't keep <laughs> and that sort of stuff like um oh you mean i forget yeah 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 great yeah, I, well, I wrote that song when i was in my uh late 20s so really yeah but chose to to put it on an album in your 40s tell me a little bit about that well, first of all, the song, I mean, I, I understand that song could be interpreted. Even my current girlfriend was asking me about that. Because the, the lyrics of the opening verse are, I forget the first time we met and all the promises I never kept. I forget my last regret. I forget, I forget. So I didn't really, I think at the time when I wrote it, I was feeling like I really miss this person. Like, you know, if you miss someone, you say, I don't, you go away, you're mad, you know? Because I mean, it was my own fault, you know, that I felt uh, responsible for things breaking down. I missed her and I sat down to write a song about the first time that I had met her, but it wound up, I, I couldn't remember properly where I was, what she was wearing. I wanted to be very detailed. And then I finally got frustrated and said, I forget the first time we met and all the promises I n never kept. You know, and it was just, I, f I realized there was something in me that was uh, wanting me to move on rather than look back. And it wasn't meant in bitterness. Like it wasn't like about not letting someone in. But I think that that's true. I mean, uh, I, I certainly look back now and feel like, um, yeah, just how, how shut down I used to be. I, I used to have a very closed heart. I was very, I couldn't trust people, you know, and it's hard even now. So that song, I can still sing that song and, and understand it in that way. And, uh, but also it's like sort of gives me a sense of like compassion for my younger self, um, you know, and I feel like it's a song of survival, really. But um, sorry, what was the second part of the question? Oh, well, singing it now. Yeah, see, I guess I kind of answered that too. Yeah, singing it yeah, now. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, yeah, you were going to say singing it now? Yeah, I think I answered that. Like, it's just, it's. I, I feel like a sense of uh, a, more compassion for my younger self and more as an anthem of, like, like, moving on. I mean, the second and third verses get away from relationship aspects. And, and you know, it, it sort of just becomes like, you know, some say tomorrow's another day. That's not a bad cliche it works for me and it's the only one i know i guess that's why i'm kind of lucky it's just taking stock of uh of, of anything that'll get you by and move you forward it's you know the trick to life is attitude i wish i knew how to put that one to use i think i did when i was just a kid but now i forget it's that sort of when you were a kid and you were innocent and you just felt no fear and you didn't uh you had an open heart you know so yeah i think that's that's what it means to me now, like especially the those subsequent verses. Um, yeah. Well, that's so interesting that you say um, on the one on the one hand that you didn't have um, a lot of trust in people, but on the other hand, you kind of were really open to it. So um, I don't know if that's just the the Gen X way of being that we're sort of trapped in this sort of cynical but romantic realm. Um, what do you what do you think? Is that like a Gen X thing or do you think that that's a product of how maybe you were raised um, with your family? 
Pot probably, but I think also, I mean, I remember, I, I think when you are a kid, there's that innocence that gets broken. I mean, who knows? I mean, every, I think every uh, generation, every child brought into society on some level has to be broken down in that way. I mean, it, you get reduced and, and, and uh, you have to try to find a way to fit, fit into that, whatever it is they're trying to make you and you know i mean I, yeah. who know, I don't know who has it better or worse compared to but i think i can't i used to be mad at my parents i used to be mad at all the institutions and the schools and the teachers i had and i realized like you know my my, my parents and their, their parents it was a lot harder you know they they had to grow up a lot faster yeah and, yeah. Uh, and uh, so it's all about context and, and relationships like uh so i can't i can't judge i can only say that yeah i mean that happens and i think that's part of like possibly just something in you know the human spirit that we we have to that's our maybe all of our individual fates is, fates is to try to come back to that place having gone through through it and then come back again with possibly a little bit more perspective not just the innocence you know yeah maybe that's like just said, a little bit more compassion yeah because then if you can encounter other people who who are going through that you can understand them you know maybe help. i mean maybe that's the purpose of a generation is to help the next one i totally think that is what it is i mean that's that's kind of um you know the the whole thing that that gets me about ageism is that you know when when we shut out the generation before us, then we're not listening to, um, you know, any sort of advice or lessons or wisdom that they could share and pass down. Like, I mean, let's be honest, um, you know, that whole cynical outlook when you're listening to Pink Floyd's brick in the wall. Yeah. You can't help but be a little anti disestablishment or anti establishment, you know, um, because that's, that's what that generation's experiences that you're listening to. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah they uh, used to, I mean, you get hit by teachers back then. And I used to, we used to have teachers. I remember teachers used to have nervous breakdowns on us. I used to get sent out into the hall because I, I didn't say the Lord's prayer because I was Jewish. It was weird. It was in the 70s and 80s, you know, and the kids nowadays don't have that. But I think that is a problem. Like, uh, that's happening now is like people there's such a animosity towards the previous generations more than ever i think and yeah. that's a danger because every generation has to kind of integrate the the things that came before them and and sort of like a kind of process of alchemy make something better out of it you know absolutely yeah and i mean it's like that's what at, at one point that's that's how we used to carry on traditions and stories and you know things like that like to just write off a, a generation because they're older um and just assume that they don't know what they're talking about is yeah. to close that book and and not be interested in reading it and um you know and and i wonder about how you know if that continues as a trend like how yeah yeah what kind of mistakes are going to continue yeah, to be ma made and and how little will we evolve emotionally and socially 
I don't know. It's that this is this is these are the big philosophical questions of our time, you know. I, but I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I hear other people talking about it in terms of a kind of uh, the uh, the spiral dynamics of um, I think Ken Wilber. Um, I think I'm familiar with him. Have you heard? Yeah. Um, well, I, I've been looking a lot into that, and it's that kind of thing we're talking about about re like integrating the tradition, but also building and growing. So. I, f I feel like there's a lot of um, more uh, sort of a throwing away of the boomer generation and the silent generation before them. Right. Then the Gen X generation. I feel like the millennials are looking to the Gen Xers in a way and we don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, I mean, we, we, I mean, the Gen X is, is a big, um, we've contributed a lot actually. And people don't, I don't, I think a lot of people don't, I mean, Tarana Burke, she found she's the founder of the Me Too movement. She's born in 1973. I mean, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan. I mean, the the women who started the Black Lives Movement, the the guy who started Twitter, the guys who started YouTube. I mean, we can yeah. go on and on. You're right, yeah. and we've been yeah. quietly sort of trying to change the world. Um, one of my last guests um, talked about how we just kind of kept our head down and and went. We didn't sort of blast the trumpets. Hey, we're doing this, which is what I, I feel like is um, is the reason why we're never discussed in the big discussions. It's always, you know, boomers versus millennials and um, and then just completely forgetting that there's a generation in between. That's like, guys, we we actually can see both of your views and let's bridge you guys together. Right, right, right. I think that's because no one can criticize the Gen Xers. <laughs> I don't. Y'all did it right. <laughs> I don't think that we're, we're being overlooked. I mean, we're fucking cool. I mean, our anthems Hell were yeah. "fuck you, I won't do what you tell me," and "I want to fuck you like an animal." I mean, you can't touch that mic drop. I mean, you can't even. So yeah, you can criticize the millennials for being whiny snowflakes, and and the boomers for just being completely with their heads up their ass. But I mean. We contributed a lot of cool shit, but also, you know, we're, uh, the hippies looked at it. I mean, the boomers were the hippies and, um, uh, right. Exactly. They, you know, it was a lot of shame attached to their generation because they got the, one of the first things that happened to him, to them happened. To, I mean, and this is the sort of the, they were the first to get really co-opted and, and, and sucked into the mainstream and made a product out of, which is embarrassing and humiliating. And they never right, the commercialization of the hippie movement. Yeah, and it was, um, and that, you know, that's what Iggy Pop was fighting against, and that's what he wanted to destroy. And 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 then you know, out of that, you know, he kind of birthed punk and and everything. And our generation sort of grew out of that, you know. And that was, you know, that's embarrassing. I mean, we watched our parents go through that and just sort of sell out try to change and we I, I mean when you say we kind of said well, yeah because we sort of know the limits like i think you kind of get that maybe on an instinctual level i'm i'm no i haven't accomplished much i'm the quintessential slacker of them i can't compare myself to tarana burke or, or elon musk or joe rogan i can just say i'm proud that they're part of my generation but right um yeah, I mean, I think that we saw that and that's kind of where the cynicism and where that, you know, how the grunge movement really spoke to us because we saw that kind of capitulation 
happened to our parents and 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 it's totally sad it's it's humiliating and we saw that on the horizon for us and what else could we do but say like you know like i don't want to do it but i don't know how i'm getting sucked into it and there's no point in running out and saying flower power and and think peace because that doesn't fucking work they'll just make a jingle out of it and put it on a mcdonald's commercial so yeah we watched our heroes blow their heads off with a shotgun and die of a heroin overdose and in rehab slowly over years i mean it was yeah so that wasn't yeah i don't know i think we're survivors you know we're and it's cool we were the latchkey kids we were um unsupervised children and we had to deal i mean yeah we had to just deal with fucking bullies anyway we can't we couldn't really run home and say we got bullied most of the time it would be like, we'll stay away from that kid or punch him in the throat. If you, you know. yeah, 100%. I didn't have that kind of parent. They just said, you know, they were just like, stay away from that person. And for me, it was like, you got to befriend a bigger bully to beat up that bully. Make someone laugh or, or run like hell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the bully police back then. Man, you just unfolded the Gen X paradigm in a way that uh no one has ever done on the show before so thank you so much because that is fucking spot on by the way watching watching the hippie movement um become so commercialized and then watching that generation kind of become this sort of like American psycho uh, sort of versions where, you know, they're obsessed with clothing and cars and keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, everything that we thought they were fighting against in the sixties, they became in the eighties. And, you know, who had the bigger satellite dish or, you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of bullshit. Um, and, and I don't know about you, but I had a big hang up about my bands that I loved. You know, I was a tried and true indie rocker back in the nineties, um, that came out of the grunge scene, um, in the Pacific Northwest, um, and, uh, was, was like mortified when bands like modest mouse and death cab for cutie became bands that like my millennial friends were listening to. I was like, no, 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 you can't have that. That's fucking, that's mine. That's funny. Yeah. But I mean, here you are, uh, you know, in your forties, you're putting out an album. Um, Is this your first album? And if so, why now? And, and are you trying to reach a larger audience or is this just for us Gen Xers? Okay. Why now? I, I have no idea. Like I, I feel like I have no control over when things happen, regardless of my intentions or what I think. I want to happen, you know, like uh, it happened when it did. And I never thought I was going to make music like that. It's it's bizarre for me, you know, like uh, I actually like I went to film school. I started off making films and that was my whole like identity for a long time. And that's kind of why I'm not into identity. I think it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of bullshit. Like it's not really who you are. You can identify with, with your job or, or an idea of, of what you create or want to be. It's all a concept. It's all a, a kind of an image that you create in your mind. And, uh, and that's always going to change, you know, but the songs were things that were sort of like, I always was, I was writing songs because the films were these things that were very frustrating and they took a long time to make. And sort of, I, I just, um, I got really into Leonard Cohen when I was like 26. Oh I, my gosh. 
I never liked him. I thought he was just this old guy. I saw a couple of videos. Like, why would anyone like him? I found this, like, one of his early tapes at a garage sale and popped it into my car. And this was in the year 2000. So I was like 26. And uh, it just made me cry. I I hadn't cried since I was like 10. Um, And uh, yeah. And I I just started, like, I thought, oh, you know, I'd been to, I took lessons and stuff when I was. 13 didn't really learn that much maybe a few led zeppelin songs that i could barely play but i just had fun writing little songs for myself they in over the years i kind of collected like a catalog of these sort of solitary battle cries and eventually you know the film thing it didn't work out like i had some moderate success it was sort of this weird branch that kind of died and i didn't know where to go and i thought i was gonna try and continue and and push it no matter what and never give up. But I just had these impulses that I couldn't get over when I was about 40. I took this trip to Mexico and lived on the beach for two months and thought I was going to finally finish this like screenplay I've been working on for the last like five years. And all I could do was like someone lent me their guitar there, this wonderful woman, Tara uh, Marquez, I think her name was. Uh, yeah, this little nylon string Spanish guitar. I just couldn't put it down. I just was playing the old songs, writing new songs. I just was obsessed, and I don't know where it came from. And then when I came back, I didn't have the script. I had a few new songs, and I was trying to teach myself to sing. Like, literally, I, I, I when I was a kid, I never thought I would get up and sing in front of people either, and that's something I've been doing. Because uh, I was literally laughed out of the choir. Like, it was so bad, like trying to sing O Canada my the teacher was like who is making that noise it was completely like like they thought i was tone deaf and i oh, thought i was kicked out of choir yeah. for being tone deaf <laughs> yeah and i so but i just wanted to be able to play, play and sing these songs for some reason and it, it turns out i'm not tone deaf but uh yeah and a friend of mine who was a singer songwriter he said he wanted to you know he'd been i showed him some of the songs and he said you should open up for me i played so i played my first set when i was like 41 and uh, it was really hard but i did like 10 10 songs and then he went on and and that was some encouragement because it, it didn't become this goal thing it was like i felt like it was just a way to face the fear and and try to grow and try to not die like it was just Wow. It felt like I it was a matter of survival. And then last year around this time, like just about a in in November, in the end of October, I just somehow this idea came into my head. I'd been thinking I just finally wanted to make an album. I thought I was ready and I'd been kicking around at home uh you know trying to record. It wasn't working out like just doing it myself. And the name of this guy popped in my head, Felix Fung, who has a studio just around the corner from my house. Someone said, you know, someone had mentioned to me another guy who, who worked with them. And uh, so I just sent him a message saying, hey, you know, I got these really weird acoustic songs uh, that I've been working on for a while. I want to see if maybe you'd be interested in collaborating. And, and yeah, we took it from there, went in the studio. We became like a trio live off the floor. And that's what the album is, me, him and Max Sample his associate sort of became a, a little band in the studio and he's also a gen xer max is a little younger and it just felt like it was a weird thing as the timing was perfect these songs i felt like i just wanted to put these out as my first expression of that you know 
for better or worse. And I, cause I had a bunch more, I already have the next two albums written and I feel like, wow, that's the next, this is where I want to start in terms of what I want to say. And if yes, I'd love, of course, I'd love to reach a wider audience. I mean, um, but not just for the sake of reaching an audience, but as a measure of if the songs uh, are worthy of, you know, reaching people's hearts on a real level. Like, so I think, yeah, I realize that's kind of what I wanted to do is just, yeah, like reach people on that level and, and talk to people on that level. Cause you really, I mean, there's an opportunity to do that with music and it's out there you can meet people and talk to them. And like, just like you, this is magical. You know, it's a miracle. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that your music and lyrics are perfect for any generation because you do, you do have, like you said, the, the song I forget is written when you were in your twenties. So people can, can, even if they're older, can remember being in love in their twenties and the innocence and naivety of that. And then, you know, looking back on that. Um, but you also have some, you know, uh, dare I say it slightly, um, not political songs, but you have a little bit of, um, a, um, you know, I'm not going to follow your agenda kind of music. I mean, super Gen Xy, by the way, um, <laughs> uh, which I think that the younger people can, can appreciate in terms of, oh yeah, you guys are thinking about this too. <laughs> right. <laughs> are you talking about the song about the future? It's got that kind of, uh, chanting like yeah it's a little bit like fuck you i won't do what you tell me but it's more of i thought of that song as kind of a cabaret sort of style and uh it's funny because yeah it does have those kind of lyrics but i i'm not i don't consider myself like this political kind of person i i actually i wrote that song like sort of as a joke that was also written i was about 31 when i wrote that so it was like i don't know 2006 or so yeah 2006 um, and, uh, I did have a lot of friends who were like all these, you know, I had some artsy fartsy friends and they were always talking all these like Marxist things and, and they were like <laughs> yeah. left wing. And I thought it was really funny. Cause I was, I, I so had to lunch. Like I, I was the type of person I would never read a newspaper. I just read like Dostoevsky and like Chekhov wow. and, and poetry. Existentialist, and I, man. I, I loved all that stuff i i didn't know what was going on in the world. i never thought of politics and these kinds of things or you know it, it, yeah and so i i thought it was kind of based on that i th it was a parody of that voice you know of um that voice of like i'm gonna go out and do something and, and it's not about anything happening now but it, it's interesting i did get a review of that from a like a really small a blog that and the guy was really cool he wrote he said that it was a protest song about the things that I see happening in society right now. Is this that the one really, that compared you to Bob Dylan? Um, Cause I know, maybe, I, maybe. I know someone I, did. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I can totally hear that. Although I always, I was thinking more of Richard Ashcroft in terms of voice from the verve. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with that. Wow. He's a wonderful vocalist. Thank you. Oh, you're very uh, welcome. Yeah. It definitely him. sounds like him to me. So really yeah, love so your I'm voice. Rambling. But that, that song was, more I thought of like, a, I was thinking of it as like a monologue, like a theater monologue at the time. Wow. I was actually trying to write a play in the voice, like a, a, not a song. And then I was also just joking around, messing around with some chords and it started to become a song. So that's 
that's uh, how that happened. But uh, man, I just love the idea that you in your 40s are so open to this other branch growing from uh, to use your analogy and um, and and how beautiful is that? Right. Like um, I always thought of myself as a writer you know, and I was like, I'm just going to publish this book. I mailed it to myself and everything. I still might publish it someday. Um, but, you know, picking up the mic and doing a podcast, I'm like, huh, this is kind of fucking cool. And I get to meet people like you, like you said, this is magical. And like, just the, um, the ripple effect of like, you know, the seeing my listeners all over the world and the different generations and, um, and genders and, you know, just, um, having that ability to just shift gears. Um, I, I don't know about you, but, um, if this is a a midlife crisis, I'm fucking here for it because (laughs) what a, what a wonderful way to, um, I don't know, to, to, like you said, grow and change and become sort of this, you know, you're, you're morphing into this new person. It's still always you, you still have words that you're expressing and, 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 and you're still painting scenes. You know what I mean? Like um, a good lyricist takes you on that journey with them. And, um, and I guess that's why I don't remember the title of the song is because I'm so in, I'm so there with your lyrics and the experience that you're painting in my head. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Oh, so welcome, brother. Like seriously. Tell me about your book though. Oh, <laughs> that's for another podcast at another time. I no, feel like I'm we're talking kidding. about myself too much, you know? Well, that's the whole idea of a podcast, right? As you come on to talk about you and we celebrate you. But I mean, if you're interested, uh, I, I did, I wrote, um, I wrote a lot. I'm, I'm looking at like, just journals and journals that I kept, um, in my twenties. And, um, for a, a bit of time, I lived, um, in the, the South of France as a student. Um, I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, right to be there in a lot of ways. Cause I was super poor. I cleaned toilets to get there. Like it was, it was oh. a really rough year because everyone that was there, uh, was, was pretty well off, you know? And, um, and so, um, I, I kept journals about just the experience and, um, and I, and I kept, came back to the States and had such a sort of culture shock of moving back into this, this United States of America where, you know, when you live abroad um, and I don't know how it is for you um, in Canada, but uh, people don't view Americans the way Americans view Americans. <laughs> <laughs> they like Canadians. though. Oh man. My, one of my friends, when I went over there was like, so a maple leaf on your bag. And I was like, <laughs> so the one time that I tried to pretend like I was from Canada, um, like they kept digging deeper into like where I was from. And I think I picked like Vancouver cause I had been there as a kid Yeah, and they were like, we're in Vancouver. And I was like, you got me <laughs> you know? like, that's, just, that's it. I thought BC right. and then Vancouver. And then I thought that would be it. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I wrote this book and it took me, it took me a long time. Actually, it took me about 10 years to really finish it. And wow. I tried to sell it a couple times. And, um, and I finally just sort of set, 
mailed it to myself and never opened it. That's like someone told me once, that's how you sort of like copyright your book. I don't know. And, um, and, and one of my last guests, um, Colin Fowler, who wrote the Oxford Chronicles, um, you know, he, he, he really inspired me because another Gen Xer just published his first book. And I was like, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, why not, why not try to do that now? Um, but like I said, that's, that's for another time and day, but just the yeah. whole idea of all of us, I don't, I don't feel like, I feel like we're kind of like, um, I don't know, we're just a generation who is constantly evaluating ourselves and constantly trying to, um, figure out what, what we are and who we are. And I think that's the beauty. You talked about identity a little bit ago, and I wanted to go back to that because I'm someone who has changed, um, fashion sense. And, and I love so many different kinds of music and, you know, you, some music you got to dress for it, right? Like if you're an indie rocker, you better not come in like a, a prom dress unless you're trying to be ironic, you know, or if you're a hippie, you better not come in a suit, man. You better have a tie dye or some shit. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm being really super basic and stripping it down to the most yeah. stereotypical aspects, but I mean, yeah. I've had every color hair, shaved head, um, dreadlocks, um, doc and, and in my closet right now, I have doc Martens fans and, you know, heels, you know what I mean? Like I love, I love the ability to sort of change and morph even on a day-to-day basis. Like I'm not so stuck in identity and I feel like that's a super Gen Xy thing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's true. I think that, um, I don't, I mean, Maybe it comes from, you know, what we were exposed to culturally growing up and the types of movies um, that we watched. And, uh, you know, there was it was a great time. The 90s were a great time. And I felt like they pushed you to be more introspective, you know, like we had. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, great film. I mean, he he made these movies that were so rich and and bold and 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 these characters that were cringy right like you think about sideways like those characters are terrible humans well and like just magnolia oh no and he he took boogie nights he made this character so vulnerable this porn star and yeah but through the cringe you have compassion and you're almost rooting for this person to like get a fucking break yeah yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we, I think that um, a lot of the music too, like the, you know, the grunge scene was all about that, you know, it, it was all very personal and they were sort of laying their souls bare, but it was all a lot of anger and, and, and just trauma. Like, you know, if you listen to Alice and James, you know, like it, uh, yeah. And, and Kurt Cobain and, and, uh, and Pearl Jam and all those, all those bands, you know, they were, they weren't holding back in terms of that yeah i remember hearing jeremy oh go ahead sorry no it just meant a lot to me when i was growing up like hearing pearl jam when i was 16 like i literally did a 180 like when i was oh it was like acdc guns and roses for like a long time and then within a day it was like i can't listen to that anymore because pearl jam and nirvana is here now they just changed everything like now yeah, I mean everything's like sort of opened up and like it's it sort of exposed bullshit. Like you just didn't want bullshit. Yeah, the first time I heard Jeremy, 
um, when I was a senior in high school, um, I was a little later to the game, I guess, um, in 94. Um, I remember thinking, I, I can't believe someone's singing about my life, about my experience. And like, I remember being just completely blown away by that. Now I was a big Depeche Mode Smith's Cure fan. So I, I moved away from sort of the radio music that of like what you were talking about, ACDC. I mean, for me, it was like, you know, um, TLC and En Vogue and, you know, this sort of like, at the end of the day, though, we're talking about sex and love. Like those were the topics of like radio music. Um, and I feel like that was mostly what was on the radio in the eighties growing up too. I mean, you might have had a couple of maybe deeper songs here and there. I know Michael Jackson tried to, you know, put in a couple deeper songs and Madonna and things like that, but it was, um, it was really like this sort of, you know, movement into like lyrics that told stories about the human experience that really shifted me. And yeah, Pearl Jam was big. I think my grandfather, cause I was living with him at the time. I, th- I think that's why he thought I was on drugs and I hadn't even smoked, you know, weed at that time. Um, but I'd sit in my room and burn incense and draw, um, and, and listen to Pearl Jam 10. And, um, I think, I think he was like, the fuck is this kid going through right now? <laughs> it must've been terrifying. Cause he's from the silent generation. Right. And like, um, you know, that's not something that he grew up doing. He was, he went out bebopping you right, know? Right. <laughs> and, and, and dancing and stuff. And, and like, I was living in Joshua tree, California at the time we didn't have dance clubs, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and we then had there CDs. was like the Brit pop scene that came out, and it oh, all melt, melded yeah. together. It was a great time. Yeah, all those great movies like Tarantino popped, and um, yeah, we were just getting. It was just a very rich culture. We were lucky because it sort of spilled over from like all the independent um, risk takers and trailblazers oh, of, of the seventies. Yeah, yeah, the seventies and the kids you know, admired and they took that forward, like the Paul Thomas Anderson's and, mm-hmm. and yeah, Kirk Cobain, all those. I mean, there's so many to list. I can't even think of them right now, but I think Is that, that would inspired you to be a film, a film person, a, a filmmaker. Was it was it like the indie film scene and, and or were you just kind of evolving alongside them? And it was just the natural progression. I think so. Like, I really wanted to. um tell stories like I, I when i was a kid i used to write stories all the time and, and that was the only thing i got like praised for everything else was <laughs> i was a terrible student otherwise mm-hmm. and they, they literally thought i must have had some kind of uh intellectual disability you know, i was tested many times i was just as eager to find out as anyone else um but then they would t- and then they'd say well you're just lazy because you're doing really well in this creative stuff but so I always thought, oh, I just want to be like a writer then. And so I went to film school wanting to write scripts and things like that. But I wound up being more of a, I guess, a personal documentary filmmaker. And it was in school because I had a teacher there um, who became a mentor. Uh, and he really encouraged me to go down that roof. I, route. I, I was kind of a, afraid to do that, sort of, you know, put myself out there like that. But... It was, um, there was a couple of movies that we were shown that really had an effect on me. And it was these, one of them was a fiction film, but I, I was so blown away by how real it was that I wanted to be this character. It was called David Holtzman's Diary hmm. by Jim McBride. 
It was done in the 60s, and he became part of like Zoetrope and all that with Francis Ford Coppola and, and Scorsese. I think all those guys were involved. He went on to make some really great films, but David Holtzman's Diary, and then there was a filmmaker called Ross McElwee, I think you, you that's how you pronounce it, he was an American filmmaker, uh, who used to make these personal documentaries. Just He would have the camera kind of strapped to himself and, and film his life around him and then make these stories out, out of them gradually when they unfolded later on, not really knowing what was going to happen, but just sort of feeling it out. And that's... Yeah, that's what really um, turned me on. And I just found that so inspiring because I love, I just felt like I had more freedom with that intuitive approach. I didn't want to know what I was doing. I just wanted to feel it out. Oh, wow. That's neat that, um, you know, you still get to be a writer with music. Like I said, I mean, um, your your album is just like, um, I don't know, it's like, it's, very intelligent lyrics and then the guitar playing. So have you, you said that you, you know, you played guitar, um, but like how, how old were you when you picked up the guitar? I was 13. Whoa, that's why. No, I honestly, I wasn't good until I I had to like, (laughs) I was not a good student of guitar, but um, I just, uh, and I'm still not, not that good. Like I'm like maybe intermediate level. Um, if that, but, um, I just, you know, I just really wanted to be able to present the songs as best as I could. So, uh, I think I, I can play them well, but nowadays, I mean, like if, when you look at a good guitarist, I'm like nowhere near that. Oh yeah. So I, I, saw, really, I saw Courtney Barnett last night and, and she was like, so good. Have you heard of her? Oh, yeah, I like her. Yeah, She's incredible. Right. And I mean, she shredded that guitar. As a matter of fact, every few songs on some of those more shreddy songs, she she had a, a guitar switch, with the, which I thought was so fucking rock and roll of her. Um, but and, and I don't know if you know this, but the the opening to my podcast um, is me playing guitar on uh, in my old band and talk about hitting a sort of guitar wall. Like I, you know, I've been playing guitar since I was 18, but I didn't really take it that serious. I took a classical guitar class in college. It was like, I don't know, we had a grad assistant teaching it. Like it wasn't that great. I got a D in it actually. And then I joined (laughs) this, you know, indie pop punk band, you know, and they're like, you could sing and play guitar. And I was like, I, I don't know. But then you plug in a guitar and you're like, wow, this is really forgiving. <laughs> you know, like I, I can do some stuff here that like kind of looks like, um, at what point though, did you, did you feel like, um, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm comfortable enough in my guitar to like actually record on an, for an album or even put it on YouTube. Like I've seen your YouTube videos. Oh, thanks. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just like you get to a certain point. Like I say, I feel things out. I don't know if I'm even good enough yet, but when will I ever? I mean, I don't know if anyone, I mean, some of the greatest musicians I've heard, they never feel like they're good enough. So when is going to be good enough? Never, probably. See, you know what I mean? You just got to do it because that's where you are when you do it. I mean, I'm going to be where I am now all the time. So 
for me, I try to just have the attitude. And I think I did at the time that it was just like these, these songs I can play and I have help. I mean, I had Felix, I had Max and they were very encouraging. It was my first foray in the studio. I was scared out of my mind and they, they really helped me and they brought a lot to it. I mean, Felix plays guitar on the album too, and he does a fantastic job. And, um, they encouraged me with, you know, the guitar playing that I did. I mean, the finger picking they said was really good. And like some of the solos I wrote and play on a couple of songs came out really well. And they're pretty simple songs, pretty simple arrangements. So I think of myself, yeah, it's really like, for me, I really always approached it first from the lyrics and from what I was trying to say. And then, uh, and then the music came after, but now the music is something that I'm constantly trying to, uh, expand and it's a lot of fun like uh you know some of the newer songs just have a lot more flavor and the arrangements are different so it's great i mean i'd love to be able to play in a band you know and and have that too but hey who knows what's on the horizon yeah and ryan it sounds like we've got a lot more coming from you in 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 the future so i'm um, i'm super super excited for you um to be you know walking in this new chapter in your life as as a middle ager, as a Gen Xer, just repping it hard that life doesn't end at 40. Um, so, uh -huh. you know, it, anytime you want to come back and and um, and share your music and, you know, anytime you've got new projects, Ryan, please, you've got an open door here at the Gen X Voice podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, you're, you're so, welcome. Yeah. Hey, and um, at this point, I'd love to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners um, where they can find you and your music. Uh, well, my website is ryanfishermusic.com. That's Ryan and then F-I-S-C-H-E-R music.com. And I am Ryan Fisher Music on Instagram. Uh, I have, uh, I'm on Spotify as well. That's just uh, Ryan Fisher, F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Um, and YouTube, you can find me as well. Um, yeah. And the album is called Commercials for Heaven. Um, yeah, and I'd love to hear from people. And, you know, if anyone's out there listening, I'd love to hear what you think of the songs and, uh, and, and send me some of your own as well. Oh, I love that. And tell me you heard him on Gen X Voice. And, um, you know, and also listeners, as always, I'll have links to everything that Ryan said in the show notes. So, um, Ryan... At this time, it's time for our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. Okay. So first one, what's your favorite memory from childhood? Oh my, my favorite memory. I'm sorry, this is a rapid fire. <laughs> okay. It definitely this is my favorite memory from childhood is my most victorious memory is standing on the back of my couch in my living room while my sisters were playing with their Barbie dolls and making it rain by peeing on them. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I was, okay, I was four years old. Okay, oh my I was, gosh. No, they, they did not include me ever. And I was lonely. Oh, I sisters, hey. No friends. And all they yeah. ever did was say, mom, Ryan's bugging us, make him go away. And my mom would yell down and say, leave your sisters alone. And I just got so fed up one day that I just stood up there and made it rain. You okay. know what, Ryan? I think that you 
I think you did right. I think any of us in that situation would fucking piss all over their parade too. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite 80s band or musician? Favorite 80s band or musician. Oh my God. Okay. God, it's Grandmaster Flash. Rad. Oh my gosh. That's fucking rad. Yeah, he's, uh, a he's a true poet, street poet. Totally. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite 80s movie? Uh, Beat Street featuring Grandmaster Flash. Wonderful. I love that. That's some good shit right there. Um, and so why did you go to college? Was it to be a, a, a screenwriter? Like, was that or was it? Oh, no, I guess I got to go to college now. First, I went to university to try to be a psychiatrist and I flunked out of the psych program. But uh -huh. then I went, then I took a year off, got into film school. And yes, I went to film school. So yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to be a filmmaker and a screenwriter. Yeah. And finally, Ryan, and this time you can take this question. You can take as long as you want to answer. Um, if you had a bit of advice to give any generation um, through, to get through the good times or the bad times, what would that advice be? The good times or the bad times uh yeah they, they might be one and the same and i don't know if i'm anyone to give advice in that level i would say the best thing the thing that gets you by is uh that 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 i wish i could take this advice to is to just is to always uh check in to see if you're breathing deeply i Love that. That is, I've, I've been doing yoga and meditation for over 20 years. And I tell you what, coming back to the breath, there's really something about that. I think oh. so. I think that's really all you got. Thank you, Ryan. Wow. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast and talking um, about your music and your Gen X experience. I really appreciate you. You too, Tris. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.